Welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Welcome back, devotees. We're back with Justin from the Obscura podcast this week. This is Justin from Obscura True Crime Podcast. And he's thoroughly recovered now from all the deer excuses. The ironclad deer theory. It's ironclad until you stop maintaining the deer theory. Uh, So what are you going to tell us about this week, Justin? That's going to take a moment to explain in and of itself, because this is something that I wanted to talk about on my main feed. But due to the nature of my podcast and the way that the episodes are told, I couldn't really put it on the main feed. So this is a subject I had to save for the Patreon feed because the content itself could theoretically be enough to be pulled from iTunes. Uh, some of the audio that was played. Uh, and I think even before I continue on, it's worth noting that, uh, you know, anyone with a history, you know, of, you know, a history of sexual violence, a history of sexual harassment, et cetera. This is an episode that they might want to, you know, wait out. Yeah. You told me about it and I was like, Ooh, it's going to be a doozy, but it, it needs to be told. Yes. I think it's an important subject. And I think that one of the reasons why people aren't talking about it is because it's taboo. Uh, The subject itself is on crime in the porn industry. And a lot of it is an open secret. Uh, The performers involved, uh, the porn stars, they are talking about this. They are openly talking about this, but no one cares. Because again, yeah, it's a taboo subject. Some of the interviews I found for example, were done on the Howard Stern show because, you know, these women, they didn't really have a voice. Nobody was taking them serious. Uh, And the issue at hand is that there are men out there who very strategically know how to stretch the limits of consent. Uh, They stretch them until they're broken and they know how to do it in such a way to where a lot of them don't get caught. And they, are recording themselves a lot of times too. They, they have these recordings where they record their interview with the porn star before they, you know, sign a contract, et cetera. They are lying on camera about what's going to take place in a scene. And then when the scene happens, it's a, it's a totally different ball game. It's a totally different sport. Yeah. What is with men specifically, but people filming themselves doing horrible things. Sorry, I just watched most of the art surviving R. Kelly and he's he records everything. And I'm just like, you're you, it's evidence. You're you're giving them evidence. Well, you know, that's the thing with the, the R. Kelly thing, you know, where you is that there's footage online. There's YouTube footage that you can find right now. Uh, that's, you know, even outside of the documentary where he is recruiting underage girls in Ethiopia. And not only is he singing about recruiting underage girls, he has backup singers helping him groom them. So I think to answer your question is that it's, you know, it's motivated by two things. It's motivated by money and it's motivated by pleasure. Uh, The people that are within power that can do something, often either are motivated by money or lack thereof money. 
And then the other group of people, they are deriving pleasure from pain, you know, uh, in some of the things I'll be talking about later, you can find Reddit comments right now, you know, Reddit users on reddit.com where they're seeking out some of these videos where people face jail time for the scenes. Uh, and you know, people are seeking these scenes out for pleasure. I guess the internet, I don't know if this, were there these kinks before the internet or has the internet just made everyone into weirder shit? Well, that's, that's one of the things that I think is worth mentioning as well is that, uh, what I'm strictly talking about here though, is lack of consent. Like I, I don't want to kink shame anyone you know, cons- you know, consensual sex, no matter what the, you know, kink is. And as long as it's of legal age, you know, whatever, it's, it's fine by me, what you do in the privacy of your own home or even recording as long as consent is maintained. But the issue here with some of the people I'm going to mention is that it's not, it's, it's, it is not, con- it is not maintained whatsoever. What if someone's kink is not consent? Is that okay to kink shame then? Cause I mean, I'm all, oh yes. I'm all like the same thing. Like don't king shape. You do you just don't hurt anyone and make sure everyone's okay. Well, I mean, if you're, I mean, if, if your kink is to, uh, you know, basically legitimately remove someone's consent. I mean, that's basically, that's rape, you know, that's, that's sexual assault. So yeah, obviously we, that's, that's what I'm judging. So yeah, absolutely. And this, this episode that I did, uh, on my Patreon, you know, I had people tell me that they've listened to, and that's the thing. This is actually important to me because even when I talk about this now, I've seen documentaries on it. Uh, I've seen many articles on it. I've seen YouTube comments. A lot of people aren't taking this serious. And that's because the everyday person that isn't seeking it out for pleasure, the everyday person they have an opinion on this, but they haven't actually heard it. They haven't actually seen it. There are people that told me that they listen to the most hardcore true crime episodes. They've seen snuff videos. They told me that they turned that episode off in five minutes. They had to just turn it off because it was such a like horrifying experience. And these videos are being recorded every day. I think the harder thing about it is these women society kind of views them as sex workers where they're the lesser than they're the already dead. And for me, it just, I hear some stories of it because of what my godmother's work is. She's a sex crime social worker where people are doing this to like kids and stuff like that. And for me, it's like, it could be anyone. You should believe everyone until they're proven wrong. You know? Yes, absolutely. Uh, look at just look at how we treat survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. We don't treat them well. So if someone has the courage to come forward, we should believe them unless they're proven wrong. Well, I mean, it is it's really bad out there as far as victims of domestic violence, especially children. Uh, I know someone personally that had uh, I don't know what they call it uh, where you live, but Basically, uh, they had people come out to check welfare check on the kids, the welfare check. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you that I know personally that their situation was horrible. But, you know, a, a lot of these people, they're told, like, unless, you know, these kids are being beat in front of you, then there's not a lot we can do. 
And so I, I know a situation that happened recently personally where the mom got away with so, so much. And actually I didn't have a great home life growing up as a kid. And, uh, you know, there was a welfare check, check done. And for the interview I had with the adult, they didn't even separate me from my parents. They did it right in front of them. And so I was like, uh, yeah, no, everything's great at home because, you know, the, the individual that was abusive towards me, you know, he's sitting right there. So I imagine this, these kind of mistakes happen all the time. Yeah. A lot of it seems to be like the social work, the specific social worker. And then on top of it, you know, they have to recognize the signs, but sometimes even their hands are tied, but they can, because they have to do that welfare check, there is a record and they type up their notes on it. And so as long as they're diligent and it seems like they keep getting called to certain houses and certain people, there's a record of that. So that way, eventually they can extradite someone out of that situation. I know, gosh, I know for a fact, my godmothers come home and you like cry because you can't, always help all these kids and you want to, but sometimes your hands are tied by the law and like where you can put them and believe it or not, family members do refuse to take kids who've been abused. It happens more, probably more frequently than everyone would like, but so should we, should we start <laughs> before we go down a deep rabbit hole and both get very worked up? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Okay, so the first person I want to talk about is Max Hardcore. Now, Max Hardcore's real name is Paul F. Little. Uh, <laughs> he went from Paul F. Little to Max Hardcore. I think he's trying to compensate for something. I, I can imagine. So, basically, in his childhood, uh, his his dad apparently had like a huge porn stash, and he got into it. And then by the time he became a, an adult... He was uh, one of the spreaders of like the new Gonzo. So basically in pornography, there was the original Gonzo pornography, which was relatively tame compared to what it is today, but basically anything beyond missionary. Got it. Uh, and then, there, then when the internet came along, uh, there was the new Gonzo. And that's when the internet was basically the wild, wild west, you know? And... Max Hardcore essentially was the guy that kind of stretched these limits. And what you see is over time, he, he keeps stretching things until, at least in my opinion, uh, and he just doesn't maintain consent anymore. You know, he, he, and he has a few different methods of doing this. Just to give you an idea of what Max Hardcore looks like, uh, he's an older looking guy. He's got gray hair. He's usually got a scowl on his face or a smile. Uh, he wears a cowboy hat, big old cowboy hat. He's got these chiclet teeth. He's about 5'10". <laughs> chiclet teeth? Now I'm just picturing a chiclet gum with a cowboy hat on. <laughs> so one of the things about him is that he can go from looking completely harmless and nice, just, you know, an affable older guy, uh, to a total terror. So the thing is with Max Hardcore and the thing that makes him hard to talk about and why I think it was important to talk about him is that unfortunately he's became a sort of symbol of 
uh, free speech, you know, that the government was attempting to censor him. Why do these guys who are horrible people and they think they're so good at stuff and they always are like, I'm a proponent of free speech. Yeah, free speech counts unless you're harming someone. That's why you can't say fire in a public theater. And that's the thing is that for my episode, the thing that I did is I, I went out of my way to explain what he does to basically break consent. And this for me isn't a free speech issue. This is not a, this is not a free speech issue. This is a matter of basically sexual assault. And so he tends to target two type of adult performers. The first is someone that he grooms. These are women that are more local to him. The method he operates under is to draw the process out and tell the woman as little possible about what they're getting into. So he'll hire a local dancer or a sex worker that doesn't have a real idea of who he is and what his work is. He'll then proceed to, and this is after he'll do a pre-taped interview as they're signing the contract. There's audio I've played uh, where she says, oh, before I sign this, can you just promise something? Can you promise that you won't hurt me? I've never done anything like this. And he said, oh, no, you know, this is going to be easy. Don't worry about it. So then in the video, he proceeds to, you know, beat the hell out of them, punch them in the back of the head, the stomach, uh, vo- make them vomit, urinate on them, uh, gag them. And, and in these scenes, the women are often seen uh, to where they are trying to pull away from him. but. They, he holds them down. Once they end up in that bedroom with him and he's got the cameras rolling, they're not getting away. So in a lot of cases, not all cases, but in a lot of cases, uh, this is just recorded rape. Like These are local women. Uh, these are downtrodden women that don't really have someone to support them. And they have no idea what they're stepping into. They're handed uh, you know, a 100-page contract that he's like, okay, just sign here. That basically just signs their rights away. He basically gives them like your terms of service for anything. No one actually reads them. And, and the worst thing is like, so they, they don't fully read it. And then it protects him and he knows they can't get lawyers. They can't afford like legal aid that they need to fight him on this. And he's like, just sitting back there, his little, chiclet face with cowboy hat like cackling to himself and if you're listening to this i i really suggest you look up a picture at him just to what was it you called it last episode fill your cup of rage <laughs> yes yes fill the cup deep get a big pitcher you're just gonna start chugging it until you you are just so full of rage that you hulk out <laughs> And you know what you were saying with those contracts, and I know that this is a controversial statement in a lot of ways because I've discussed it online, but I think a fix for this, and I know it's not the cheapest fix, but as far as I'm concerned, there needs to be sweeping regulations in porn. And as far as I'm concerned, there should be a third party at porn shoots. And yes, I know that basically a lot of the amateur productions take a huge hit because of that. Because I think that there should be a third party that's not related to the film creators, you know, maybe, you know, just hired out or through the government, whatever. There should be a third party there that maintains consent. Because when 
in it, there's audio I have of in now keep in mind these women later said like they were they were raped they were taken advantage of where they say like you know I want this to stop you know whatever and he basically says you shouldn't have came up here you bitch they're 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 legitimately withdrawing their consent and yes. he is not listening to them and yeah I completely agree with the third party that way to be like it's to protect the production company on one end in case someone makes a false claim, but it's also to protect the performers from if they say, no, I want this to stop, it'll stop. And like I said, I know that hurts kind of the smaller productions, but at the end of the day, I think that the performers matter more, you know? And I think if smaller productions do that, then like it'll force the industry to change because the performers will want to go there. They'll be like, we'll have a third party that way. We make sure you're protected. And if you like, you don't feel safe or anything, you are feel free to say something to them and they act as the intermediary. So that way you're safe. We're safe. And the whole shoot goes well. And I, I don't, you feel like performers then will want to go there because they're like, no, they're caring about us. No, absolutely. And then there's, you know, beyond all that, besides all that, as far as I'm concerned, there's sort of a, black and white opinion I have of it and the fact that this is all too common. And since it's so common and that these men basically can't control themselves, something needs to change. And that's the thing. People need to start caring about this. But like you said, uh, these are the lesser victims in society's eyes because this is such a taboo to talk about. In fact, when I talked with you about doing this episode, I was like, is this okay for us to talk about? Because before I even released my version of the episode, before I went to bed last night, I was like, am I making a mistake? Like, is like, are people going to be upset that I'm even, you know, talking about this, that I'm covering this? Because here's the thing too. I, you know, I didn't even particularly love playing the audio. I hate that the audio exists, but this audio is sold commercially. I'm not selling it. I'm not playing anything that doesn't exist and is being sold out there for consumption. And that's horrifying. Like these are confirmed. The the audio in the episode is confirmed people being taken advantage of in the worst way imaginable. Yeah. And I just, I, I remember our discussion about like you, you were very like, you're like, I don't want the episode to get pulled for you. And I said, you know what? I think as long as we don't play the audio, if people want to listen to it, they can go out there and listen to it. I'm just not a fan of adding the extra audio in like 911 calls and like clips like that, because I feel it shows someone in the worst moment of their life that I, I agree. I actually, here's the thing. I, I, I do use audio like that and it's something that I, I kind of struggle with. So the thing that I try to do in my episodes is I try to go out of my way as much as I possibly can to humanize people. Uh, You know, I, I write, uh, you know, if they died, uh, you know, I, I find their obituaries. I try to find the, you know, I, I paint the victims in the most positive light as possible mm-hmm. and the criminals. And I think that's a, one of the differences in my show compared to some of the other produced ones out there. I try to just, I don't want to paint them as anti-heroes. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to make them cool. These yeah. are people I hate, you know, I'm disgusted by, but yeah, no, I, I definitely, I can see why some people wouldn't want to play the audio or, or hear the audio, but 
And like I said, it is something I struggle with, but I think there's an argument for it, but there's just a better way of going about it. Yeah. And you, you always do a very good job when it's the hard to hear audio, you preface it and you say like, I'm not showing this, like I'm not playing this for gratification. I think it builds to the story. It's always story building and helping build your argument about the case. But I do know we both have discussed certain podcasts that do seem to just play them for the sake of playing them. And that's the thing that I, I try not to do. I, I try to have a, a level of justification and I've had people write me that it, it blows my mind. And I'm sure one day I'll have my screenshotted responses online, <laughs> but they'll write me and they'll say, you know, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and yours is the only one that makes me feel bad. And I always respond, good. That's that's what I'm aiming to do. They should, In my episodes, I want you to feel bad. They should all kind of make you feel bad if it's a true crime episode. Because someone's dead. Normally someone's dead. Yes. And normally not in a great way. So you, even when I make light of it, it's there's someone who's dead in a family that has mourned them. And, you know, even when it's cases like this where it's, yes, they're not dead, but there's a lot of rape involved and a lot of violating a person's body. You have to think, how would that feel if someone like did that to me or like it could happen to you? It's not out of the realm of possibility. No, um, I agree. And just to, you know, kind of get back on track before we end up down a, another rabbit hole, a long, long path. Yeah. I want to talk about the second method, which I think is a bit more common and I'll elaborate on that in a bit. But the second method that uh, Max hardcore employs is he flies out performers. He drags them through about an eight to 10 hour day uh, where they're not fully aware of what they're getting involved in. And now keep in mind a lot of the times, actually I shouldn't even say a lot of times uh, I'll take that one back. These are women that are just getting started in the industry. Okay. So they, they don't have a lot of money. They like, sometimes they're pulled straight out of their like fast food job and they spend what they'll like, he'll tell them to figure out a way to get there, you know? Oh, so he, he slowly introduces new and extreme acts throughout the scenes. And like I said, this is like an eight to 10 hour day where he does the makeup and the shoot and everything. And then, yeah. Uh, if they say no to him, uh, if he doesn't, you know, directly basically force them, one of the other things that he'll do is he'll use mental manipulation and grooming tricks. Uh, so he'll start out where he'll tell them they're like a hero, like, Oh, come on. You know, you, you've got this. This is no big deal. Who, who cares about you in your life? Who do you love? And they'll be like, Oh, I have a, I have a kid at home. Well, you know, don't you want to get money for your child? And then if that doesn't work, he'll tell them that they're a quitter and that, you know, he'll make them start feeling shame about him. Like, Oh, you know, I, I had to spend my whole day doing this and our, you know, he may have flown them out there, you know, if he chose to do it. And then finally, if that doesn't work, uh, he'll berate them. He'll yell at them. He'll call them a stupid whore, a stupid slut. And again, if you'd like to get angry, uh, go on YouTube and there's a little song that he performs on there on his guitar. Uh, I think it's called stupid fucking whore. So he's, a, he's an acoustic guitar douchebag. Basically. Basically. Yes. Yes. Oh. 
so this is uh, the, what I just explained. This is something that many, many adult performers has said he does over and over again. There's a famous adult performer named Brianna Banks, and she went on Howard Stern and basically said that that was one of her first shoots and it made her quit the industry for a year. And when she came back, she had changed her name and, you know, it was very clear that it was a traumatizing experience for her. And this isn't just, this isn't, this is definitely not limited to just her type in max hardcore porn star interview. There are so many interviews of women basically saying like, yeah, this guy sucked me down a rabbit hole, took advantage that of the fact that I wasn't experienced and didn't maintain consent. Just, you know, did whatever he could to manipulate me. And if the manipulation didn't work, there were four guys standing around me, making me do the scene. That's it's not only mental intimidation at that point, it's physical intimidation. Cause you don't know what those guys are like. Yeah. They may make you do the scene, but then what are, else are they going to do? Yes. And in, if you've seen the women for these type of shoots, they are very small women. They're, they're 18 year olds. Uh, and he likes them very short. Uh, and he has them, you know, dress up as schoolgirls or whatever. And they are not going to overpower five men. Like it's, it's not going to happen. So they realize like they're in a bad situation. And there was a interview with a woman that explained that exact situation mm-hmm. where they very, they made it very clear to her that she wasn't getting out of there. So he has her on tape after the scene, like, you know, just kind of like, Oh, you know, it was great. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like just leaving the house. And then she went straight to the police station and reported it as rape. Mm-hmm. And nothing was done about it. Nothing was done about it because, you know, that contract, that stack of paper. Yeah. That just signs out, basically signs over everything to them. That's always the craziest thing is when people, they know the loopholes in the law and they know, like society stereotypes so they're like i can do this i have a contract and uh no one's gonna believe you because of your profession exactly and that's why i think that third party uh being involved could be such a game changer oh yeah because if that if that happens and as long as they're not corrupt which i guess there's nothing we can do about that uh then that changes everything and people stop getting taken advantage of now here's the thing too so i said that uh, you know, this isn't uncommon. Well, it's also not uncommon to other performers. There's a documentary that's worth checking out. It's a little sanitized because, uh, like I said, this is a taboo subject. So it's not as gritty uh, as the reality of it, but it's called uh, Hot Girls Wanted. It came out in 2015. It breaks down how through social engineering, uh, women are manipulated into porn, not just into bad scenes, but into porn in general. Uh, it's a common practice here in Florida, especially in Miami. Women go on Craigslist in different states, not just in Florida. They go on Craigslist looking for a job, and there's this job like, "Hey, are you are you 18? You know, do you want to get paid really good money? You know, to model? Like that's it. Like it's just modeling." So it's never uh, just women, modeling. I don't No, It's never, it's never just modeling who goes on Craigslist for jobs because does no one remember Craigslist killers? Come on. I will say, I will say when I was in security, I got a lot of gigs through Craigslist. So <laughs> I can't be too judgmental. That's, 
I'm sure there's a lot of good people but, on Craigslist, but I'm just very cautious about using Craigslist because too many weird things happen there. And you know, that's the thing that can't be understated here is that these women are 18 and you know, I'm going to feel like an old guy saying this, you know, I'm, I'm only 30, but I'm still going to feel like an old guy. But when, uh, my stepdaughter, uh, turned 18, I realized just how young 18 is. You know, when I was 18, I felt like I knew everything. Mm -hmm. And then you talk to, you know, 18 year olds and you're like, man, you have a lot to learn. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you have a whole lot to learn. But so, yeah, they'll call these numbers uh, for these modeling jobs. And they're told they have these extravagant contracts waiting for them. And if they can just get themselves where the studio is located, which, like I said, is often out of state. You got to isolate them. That's what they're doing. They're like, well, I'll isolate you. Yep. So they show up and there's this nice building. It's a, a beautiful building and they go inside and there, there's a set and they're like, Hey, here's your, here's your contract. This is a porn shoot. Now keep in mind, a lot of these women, they, they quit their jobs. You know, mm-hmm. they might've been working at an ice cream stand. Uh, some of them have children already, you know, young moms, etc. And so their bank account is nothing. Uh, and, they have this contract in front of them that's paying thousands of dollars for an hour of their time. And it's good money. Well, this is not, it's good money. And while this is not as extreme as max hardcore Mm -hmm. due to the manipulation involved. And I know this is, I guess maybe my just opinion, but as far as I'm concerned, consent was not maintained. You know, they were tricked into this situation. Yeah. You know, they, they, they were put in a situation where they were risking themselves financially and they were manipulated into a contract. And as far as I'm concerned, even in that case right there, that that's not maintaining consent. That's you're trapping someone financially that, you know, doesn't have the world experience you do into having their bodies being used for pleasure. It's the same as when you hear the stories of women being tricked into prostitution. Like they end up with a guy and they don't realize he's a pimp. And then next thing you know, they're selling their body for him. It's basically human trafficking. So now I know in, for some people, unfortunately, you know, Max Hardcore is sort of this uh, free speech person. Uh, but I guess the government felt a little different <laughs> and he, they worked for a long time of arresting him because they knew what he was doing. The problem was, is that he did have those contracts and he did have those videotapes. And though it was very clear <laughs> that he was, be, he was manipulating these girls. They had to find uh, a sort of loophole of getting him. And so what they did is they, they flew uh, to, uh, I think here in Tampa actually. And then they ordered tapes uh, from Europe, the European version of Max Hard- Hardcore videos uh, to the States, which are even more extreme than the American versions of his videos. And because those tapes were not legally allowed to be sold in America, uh, that's what he was arrested for. He was arrested for, you know, basically illegal distribution of tapes that were too vulgar. And so he spent I think it was about two and a half years in prison on what they didn't want to get him for basically a technicality. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. You know what? They got a uh, Capone on tax tax evasion. 
Yeah, they'll if if they want you bad enough, they'll they'll find out what you're doing wrong. Yeah, and they'll exploit it. So, but I know again, there's going there's some people that don't uh, necessarily agree with my stance on this. So, uh, what I covered in the second half of my episode and what I'm going to talk about now mm-hmm. is a sort of worst case scenario, okay, uh, version of Max Hardcore. This is the uh, type of situation where it illustrates my point that happened as well. Like this is something that happened. Mm -hmm. So there is a company called Baki visual in Japan. And this is the reason why I even said like, you know, if you have any sensitivity to this type of type of stuff, you know, whatsoever, you know, maybe not listen to what I'm going to talk about because this is absolutely horrific. So Baki Visual, what they do is they set up contracts similar to how Max Hardcore would, and they would tell women that they were just going to be doing, I believe it's called Gravier videos, but it's difficult to pronounce. Uh, but basically over there, it's sort of these softcore type of videos where women dress in like bikinis or they dress in maids outfits or school outfits. And it's basically like very light, uh, like sensual modeling over there. Okay. So the way these Baki tapes usually start is they introduce the women. And uh, I mentioned this was Japan, yes. correct? Okay. So they, they introduce the women and they go out of their way. This is very intentional to humanize them. They ask them like what their hobbies are, where they are in life, etc. Mm-hmm. And this is for the audience, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then after they've gone through a period of that, basically you get to know them, they have them, you know, sign the contract and they do their best to distract them during the signing. They keep them talking. So once the contract is signed, the tapes take a very, very sharp turn. And what will happen is, is okay. So for example, the guy that was talking to the girl, Mm -hmm. Uh, in the video I, I'm specifically talking about right now, randomly takes the girl down and starts, you know, holding her down and pulling her hair and beating her up. And in this uh, particular video, this happens for about 15 minutes. Ooh. He tells her, if you can just get away, then this stops now, if you can just get away. So eventually he intentionally lets her get away. And you can tell she's, you know, not really sure like, why did he let me go kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And she's caught off guard. And they tell her, you know, hey, it's a joke. Like, this is just a joke. We were goofing with you. Now, she's already roughed up. Like, they were smacking her. They were ripping her hair out. So she's shaking, and they they hand her a cup of tea. And when she takes a sip of it, it's their urine. Oh, no, 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 no. She starts vomiting, you know, completely caught off guard. As you would. And then... As you would, obviously. And so they tell her, go ahead, you can leave. Just go out that door over there. Wait, wait, and let me guess. She opens the d- there's, it's not the way to leave. There's someone behind the door waiting for her. It's like... There's 40 men. There's 40 ah! men. Yeah. Yeah, 40 men, 40 naked uh, men uh, who then fill the room. And they basically take turns raping her over and over again. And it can't be called anything else. I mean, it is just, it is straight up, it's rape. Uh, It's very clear that she wants to leave. It's very clear that she had no idea 
whatsoever what she was signing up for. And as if that's not bad enough, and it takes about 45 minutes, uh, in between scenes, they celebrate that one of the male performers lost his virginity, and they all cheer him on while she's crying. Uh, they then, after she's been raped, and they know they've raped her, they, and this is maybe the most evil thing I've ever seen, like by far. Do they pay her? Uh, Do the guys who perform pay her then? Cause oh, she, she is paid, but just for like light modeling. I just, uh, and that honestly wouldn't change anything. Cause my, my only thing is one, the most demeaning things I picture after this is if they all just like put like a dollar or like a yanda. No, the thing that they do after the, basically she's been raped by 40 men, uh, that is maybe the most evil thing I've ever seen is they make her look at herself in the mirror. Uh, they sit her down and they make her look at herself in the mirror and she breaks down and she starts crying because the worst thing that could maybe ever happen to a person is, I mean, just happened and it didn't just happen from one guy. It happened from 40, you know, there's no really going back to, from that mentally. And so it's not over for her though, because there's about a, you know, an hour and 20, an hour and 20 more minutes of video. So I'm already in a glass case of rage. I need a little ha- someone to hit, a, hit it with a little hammer so I can escape it. But I can't because what the fuck? And it, it only gets worse. Pardon you, Justin. I'm going to sing because I need to lighten this up a little bit. It gets so much worse. So basically what they do is uh, they take her outside and... Uh, they begin drowning her. So what they'll do is that they'll hold her underwater until she turns purple and she passes out and then they'll resuscitate her, basically have her like cough up water and then they'll do it again and then they'll do it again and they'll do it again. They'll just keep drowning her and then they'll tie her up and force her to hang by her arms and they'll grab buckets of ice water and they'll start throwing it into her face uh, you know, all while she's screaming, crying, uh, and it gets to a point to where she can't uh, carry her own weight, so she's just dangling there by her own wrists. So after that, uh, they'll untie her, and they bring them back in, and they proceed to rape her again. Uh, at this point, she's so exhausted uh, that she she's just laying there. She's obviously just mentally somewhere else. And then this is where a lot of the tapes will vary. Sometimes they'll force uh, the woman to eat the male performer's feces. Uh, Sometimes they'll force her to eat her own feces. Uh, Sometimes they'll get them uh, as drunk as possible, force them to uh, drink hard liquor or force them to take pills in this particular video. Uh, they force her to drink an entire bottle of wine. Uh, and the video ends where they drop her off naked in an alleyway uh, in a dumpster. I, I have a lot of feelings. Most of them are me wanting to take my knitting needle and do things that would, if I say them out loud, be premeditation. Um, the other thing is I, I can listen to a lot of horrible things happening, but my one really, really traumatic thing I can't always listen to or see is watching people drown because I've had to 
save people from drowning, like actively drowning. And it just always, you know, brings back a lot of feelings inside that you don't always think about. And the fact that she, they do it not once, but multiple times until she is passive. And like, I mean, one, it shows the resiliency that she wants to live, but the things people do and they think are okay, because, well, you said you're okay with one thing, so we can do all these other things. You can't buy and sell people's souls. And these men think, well, they're not worth it. It's just some entertainment and some pleasure. It, pleasure shouldn't be at the cost of someone's soul. No. Uh, there's about 18 of these videos uh, still circulating the internet. Uh, there are Redditors, Reddit users, like I said, enthusiastically looking for them. Uh, most of them are, are over two hours long. Uh, I guess the only good th- outcome of this is the fact that uh, when they were filming the last tape, uh, the girl was so panicked and afraid, she jumped out the window. Uh, she survived. Oh, thank goodness. But she broke her leg, but she was still able to make it to a phone. She called the police. Uh, those involved that were arrested uh, were given as high as 18-year sentences. Good. But, but as far as I'm concerned, considering how often they did it, that wasn't enough. Some involved were not given any sentences and didn't face jail time and, in fact, are still performing uh, in Japan. I, I will say this. 18 years for Japan is a long prison sentence. They don't have as long prison sentences as we do. But the fact that they're still able to do this and they haven't passed any laws really just shows, like you said, this is taboo. This isn't what people want to think about. It breaks their image of, oh, this is Japanese culture. Yeah, it's weird. He, he, he. But like every culture, we have this weird darkness that happens and we don't acknowledge it. We need to acknowledge it and be like, this is not okay. Like, I was told by people that heard the episode that I made that it was the single most disturbing thing they had ever heard. Uh, And I would always respond that if you feel that way, you should really get vocal about it. There were some that actually said, this should be on the main feed. Like the people need to know about this. And that's the thing is, I mean, even talking about it now for me is it's uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's uncomfortable to talk about like such horrific uh, things because I mean, for me personally, there are some things that are worse than death and being taken advantage that way by 40 men. You know, I, I don't know if I'd ever be able to really mentally come back from something like that. If it makes people who haven't experienced that uncomfortable like it should you should talk about it like we as a society we need to move into those uncomfortable conversations because then it will help the people who've experienced this to realize no we're saying this isn't okay we're really we are upset that it happened to you it is not okay it should never have happened and i'm hoping those girls got some help because yeah, that's going to take years, if not decades, to just comprehend how you went for a simple job and you ended up being so violated. And that's the thing is that I think it's important to really make the separation. That's what I've been trying to do in that you, there are things you can't consent to 
as far as I'm concerned, in a contract. If you went and you got hired at a McDonald's and they slipped in there, oh, if you work with us, you can never work anywhere else. You, that wouldn't be binding. And so that's the thing is that the, these debates uh, get caught up in these free speech arguments. I've seen there are women that made blogs about their experiences. Like no one will talk to me about this. And they're like, yeah, Max hardcore. He took advantage of me. He ruined my life. You know, I still have nightmares about him. I still see his face. And the comments are full of people saying, you know, you signed a contract, you dumb whore, you know, saying it to her, like saying it to this person. That's not even in the industry anymore. They've moved on. Uh, you know, they have kids, but they're still dealing with this. They're dealing with the fact that they were taken advantage of and no one cares. And and that to me is, that's the issue is that no one's talking about this, you know, because the people that are willing to talk about it, a lot of the times they're unsympathetic. They don't care. Like this is like, you know, this, this is a free speech issue for them. Yeah. And then the people that would care that are sensitive uh, to this kind of thing happening, they're not watching that content. So they don't even know what's going on. Yeah, that's always the hardest part is bringing it out to where the people who would care listen. Because, you know, I think that's where, like, you know, people go, oh, Howard Stern's a shock, a shock jock, you know. But he puts out stories that aren't everywhere else. And he lets people speak. And he has a conversation with them. You can have a conversation with someone you don't agree with or, like, that maybe doesn't come from the same place as you. But you as a human being have every right to be heard and you should be like, listened to. And I will say the, the one positive thing about this is that uh, there, there are women out there uh, being given voices more so than ever because of Twitter, because of YouTube uh, you know, they're being, they're being interviewed by people that do care now, especially compared, you know, to a decade ago when this was really, really taboo to talk about. So I guess there's very slow progress uh, the Hot Girls Wanted uh, documentary I mentioned in 2015. Uh, that was it was actually produced by a high-profile actress. Uh, I can't think of her name right now, but she was made aware of what was going on, and she paid out of her pocket to have this documentary produced. So that shows that hey, you know, people are starting to pay attention, but maybe it's not happening as quickly as it should. I was just looking it up and trying to figure out who I thought it was Rashid Jones. It is. It is. Okay. It is. It is Rashid Jones. Yes, absolutely. It's Rashid Jones. Um, and like I said, it's an, it's a great documentary. I watched it when I was researching, but I will say, and I understand because like I said, it is a taboo subject. It's more sanitized than the reality of it. So check it out. You know, for sure, but keep in mind that it's worse than it's even presented. I know she Rashid has continued to like fight for these women. I that's why I said her name. I was like, I remember her talking about she's. I believe is filming another special like documentary series on it. Don't quote me on that, but I believe she's still trying to like get support for these women because she found out and she was, you know, a glass case of rage and she didn't have a little like hammer to break in case you need to go rage on people for being horrible. And, and I think that, that that's something that's needed more. There needs to be more, you know, high profile people, you know, lending their hand as far as it's concerned. But again, I mean, how do you even, 
how do you breach the subject with a lot of people? You know, it's, it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable to talk about. Uh, if I was, you know, I talk about my podcast in day-to-day life on occasion, but that particular episode is not exactly one that I would be quick to bring up because they might look at me like I have two heads. You know, you know, there's that, you know, societal pressure to not talk about those things. And I think that's what they have working against them. I think, it, yeah, just, I know in my family in particular, we don't talk about the ugly things. You just don't talk about them. And my, my, like, I talk about them and then people are like, oh, why are you talking about it? I'm like, because it needs to get sad, you know? We can't battle it all up. It can't be a family secret anymore because we need to deal with it and it's not healthy. And with society bottling all these things up, luckily for us, they're starting to come to, to a boil now because people are mad. People are upset and they have every right to be. And this is one of those issues that needs to be addressed. Basically, before we just end up, you know, circling around mm-hmm. it again and again, uh, just to summarize uh, these scenes are being shot without consent. Uh, you know, I broke down one, uh, specifically a worst case scenario. It's not a free speech question. Uh, this to me at least is a clear cut case of people being taken advantage of, you know, don't make it a hill to die on as far as free speech is concerned. Uh, because like I said, these women, they're not consenting to this. They didn't say this was okay. Uh, n- very, very few people would consent to the things done in these videos. Uh, and the fact that they have to manipulate their way into getting the contract signed is proof enough of that. So, yeah, that pretty much that summarizes things. And that's what I had to tell you about. I hope everyone has their full picture of rage now and make sure to tell other people about this. Like, it's a consent issue, which has been coming up more and more in society. And Remember, you can give consent, but in the middle of it, you can also say, no, this is not okay, and take that consent back. Consent is not 100% either way, but you need to vocalize it. And if you feel pressured to do something, verbalize it. Physically, shake your head, no, I don't want this. And just try to be good to each other. And don't, someone says no. No means no. If they don't look like they want to do it, that also means no. Ask them. Talk to them. Be nice. This is very dark now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Justin, do you want to do some plug in a way? I'll just say that my podcast is Obscura, a true crime podcast. Uh, I don't really want to go into the full spiel given the subject. But if if you enjoyed my time here, uh, you know, as much as you could. I, I know this wasn't too funny of an episode. But if you enjoy it, then, you know, check us out. But more so, you know, look into the issues I talked about today, because as far as I'm concerned, that's more important. Yeah. And if you're Justin does amazing deep dives. So definitely check out his podcast It'll, and all the social media posts he'll be linked to. Um, uh, reminders, updates. Oh, we I have a Patreon now. So if you want more content like this, there are going to be extra episodes the lowest tier so and there's a high tier that has a very nice uh reward if you're interested there's also a facebook group so if you want to hang out with me and see stories i post a good news story most days so to remind everyone the world isn't as dark and horrible of a place um and 
I know next week we're going to have some history topics, so bring it up a little bit to be a little lighter. But thank you, Justin, for coming back. I didn't scare you away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to be here. And we'll see you next week, devotees. Remember, uh, stay domestic and out of cult. get mad when listening to true crime well so do i if you want a weekly true crime podcast that says what you're thinking then grab a beer and pull up a deck chair this is cambo from true crime island another true crime podcast and maintain the rage with me visit truecrimeisland.com where you can download or stream each episode plus there's links to itunes and social media and as i always say Don't forget to delete your browser history. This is True Crime Island. Thank you for listening to The Cult of Domesticity. We are available on all podcatchers. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter at The Domestic Podcast and Instagram at The Cult of Domesticity. If you have a topic request, information, or want to send us a recipe, please email us at thedomesticpodcast at gmail.com and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share with all your friends. Remember to stay domestic and cult-free.